there's no question. If you don't do this, you're going to lose it. Hello and welcome to the Durham Talents channel. My name is Jesse Durham. For today's episode, we're going to be discussing the idea of use it or lose it. Now, this is a principle, one of the key principles from R. Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, the concept of use it or lose it. Now, before we even begin into the deeper aspects of what it means to become your own banker, let's just start with some natural laws here. What happens to a boat if it stays in harbor? Let me keep going. What happens to a house that is uninhabited? What happens to our teeth if we don't brush them? What would happen? Really, think about this. What would happen if we strapped an arm immobile for a month, for the next month, could not move it? Well, the arm's going to atrophy, the teeth are going to rot, the house is going to deteriorate, and the boat itself is going to become so, you know, barnacled by things from that lack of motion. So, use it or lose it, it's a natural law. It's a natural law. Motion is natural. Use is natural. Now, I know that goes against, so if we will look, that goes against what we're told, financially speaking. All right, now let's specifically talk about finances. We're told to wait 10, 20, 30, 40 years. We're, we're told to, you know, put our money into these government-qualified programs. Nothing to question there. Um, <laughs> and if you do that and you want to do that, fine. I'm, I'm making a little jab, uh, but I'm also just asking us to think. You know, some things that we think we know just ain't so. We're told to put our money away, not touch it, lock it up. And, and in fact, there's going to be penalties and fees and taxes and limitations, etc. Both to the contributions and to access. Just interesting on all counts. But we're told to do that for maybe 40 years and not touch it. Well, while that's what we're told to do, my question is, is what's actually happening to that money? Is that money sitting somewhere immobile for those 10, 20, 30, 40? No, somebody's using it. Some, my next natural question then has to be, who's using it? Who's benefiting from it? Who has the use of that? Who's getting to leverage that? Who's getting to compound that? Who's getting to grow that? Okay, valid questions. Let me ask another scenario. Would you go to the grocery store, buy bread and milk, and then wait 10, 20, 30, 40 years to eat the bread and to drink the milk? Nope. Me either. So why then? Why then? If money is just a means of exchange, because money is exchanged for gas in the cars, vacations for the families, groceries for the home, etc. Money is just a means of exchange. And those things are exchanged for money. So if the money is just a means of exchange and we would never use our money in that way to buy bread and milk and then not touch it for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, why are we told to do that? And why do we in fact do that if money is just a means of exchange? See, we would never do with the things that money buys what we're told to do with the money itself. And the money's just the means of exchange. 
I know what that felt like when I heard that question for the first time several years ago now. So I hope that it's impacting you the way that it did me. And it continued to impact me because there were there was so there, I mean, so much propaganda, so much institutionalization of ideas of thinking about money that that I had to work through and, and still work through. I've not arrived. I'm still making my my progress along this journey of becoming my own banker. But I've practiced this idea, put it into practice, implemented this idea of becoming my own banker for the past seven years now, seven plus years now. And if I could use a quote from Nash, he would talk in his book about how progress, for example, necessitates overcoming Parkinson's law. Now, Parkinson had a law, for example, where he said that when we earn more, we tend to spend more. So this idea that expenses tend to rise to equal income. And in fact, nowadays, if we were to look at consumer debt, it's not a good situation. I saw something recent and there were lots of big numbers that, again, once you start talking about so many billions, again, I just want to bring it back down to the me and the you level. We all if progress is the goal, we have to confront Parkinson's about anything. Again, just like remember the, the arm that will atrophy if we tie it to our body and don't use it for a month? Well, again, if we're, if we're not training those muscles, they will atrophy to a, a degree as well. It's just going to happen. So this concept of use it or lose it, and knowing that I'm addressing that concept with an infinite banking wins, with the purpose of promoting the idea that you can become your own banker. I want us to address not just Parkinson's law. Let's keep going. Willie Sutton's law. Because again, to have progress in our personal finance, we must recognize that Willie Sutton had a law. Willie Sutton was a famous or infamous outlaw. He's a bank robber. Now, there are people today still who would like to either legally or illegally deprive us of our money, our capital, our wealth, our means, our rights. <laughs> the list could keep going. But legally or illegally, what do I mean by legally? Taxes. Taxes are legal. Is it legalized plunder? Maybe. You figure that out for yourself. But legally or illegally, and again, bank robber, Folks would like to deprive us of our money. Okay, Again, something else that we would need to confront for progress, the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. That's the golden rule. Being in a position of having capital, maintaining access to capital, is surely better than not having capital. Again, whether we're talking about a household or a business or an investor, whatever the scenario may be, being capitalized, well capitalized, is going to be superior to not being capitalized enough or not being capitalized at all. And again, if we're returning to the average American, I mean, so much, and that would lead us to, to you know, one of our next principles, which is use it or lose it. The average American is spending 34 and a half cents out of every dollar on interest alone. So this idea of use it or lose it, the power that our capital could provide us if we would leverage 100% of what it is capable of. 
instead of having 34 and a half cents out of every dollar going to somebody else. You know, that's money that forever leaves our hands. We cannot benefit from that. We cannot use that. We cannot leverage that. It's gone. Furthermore, where are we making deposits altogether? Don't we don't we really just have money directly deposited in a commercial bank? Well, who owns that bank? Did you know that dividends are paid at that bank? They are to the owners. But if we're not the owners of that, so again, considering the interest that the average American is paying out and considering the multiples that the conventional banks are earning on every dollar that we deposit there. I mean, conventional banks are earning between 400 and 1300 percent on every dollar that we leave in the bank 400 to 1300 percent that's a multiple of every dollar that we deposit there okay well who owns that who controls that who's earning that dividend i'm just saying these are valid questions and if we want to further our progression again i'm promoting the idea that you could become your own banker that's that's certainly a, a move towards progression. Nash would say it's the most profitable thing that you could choose to do over your lifetime is to do whatever it is that you're doing anyway. Pursue your career, run your business, do your investing, whatever it is that you're going to do anyway. But then being a second business, being the business of financing your household, being the business of financing your business, being the business of financing your own investments, whatever you're doing. It's the most profitable thing that you could choose to do over your lifetime. And then another key principle of Nash's was the arrival syndrome. See, to experience progress, we all have to combat the arrival syndrome that oftentimes needs your reaction of, I know that. Hearing something and then saying, well, I know that. There's so much that, that could be said right here. You know, what I've decided is that I'm going to be a perpetual student. I am a perpetual student. In my lifetime, I want to continue to learn, to read, have quality conversations, listen to things, watch things. You know, I had someone that I heard say years and years ago when talking about seeing or being invited to see business opportunities. He said, I would always say yes and go. Because the way I viewed that was, even if I ended up saying, hey, the timing's not right for me, or this 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 concept's not right for me, or what have you. He said, worst case scenario was I would learn something. Worst case scenario. The worst case scenario is that I would learn something from just being open. So, the arrival syndrome, it can get get any of us. You know, it's something that we constantly have to address to have progress. So I'm always reading and rereading. You hear me say often on the channel, Nash's very first book, Becoming Your Own Banker. I don't know how many times I've read it. I, I would definitely say that I normally reread it at least once a year. I'm even currently rereading again his second book, Building Your Warehouse of Wealth. And he, in each of those books, has extensive recommended readings himself so he was a prolific reader i'm making you know a very concerted effort out of reading throughout my lifetime educating myself so to have progress 
Nash said that we must address these things. Parkinson's law, Willie Sutton's law, the golden rule, the arrival syndrome, and this idea of use it or lose it. And that's where we're going to uh, focus on here for the next couple of minutes on this concept of EVA. Now, EVA means economic value added. And what I want to convey here is that our capital, our money, has a cost to it. Here's how I would, you know, point that out. Would you lend me a million dollars for nothing? No. It's like capital has a cost to it. And you know this to be true. You know, the cars that we have financed, the homes that we have financed, all these other things that we go to the conventional banks for, they're telling us what the interest rate is, what the terms and conditions are, if we even qualify after we, you know, subject ourselves to two years of financial exposure and uh, give a kidney and um, promise our firstborn or what have you. So our capital has a cost to it. And we need to recognize, especially my cash is king, folks. Is paying cash for things a step better them being indebted to someone else on their terms and conditions, paying them interest? Yes, it is. You're not, you're not spending the same interest dollars to someone else. But what you are doing is forfeiting the opportunity to earn interest on your money. To earn uninterrupted compound growth on your money, even while paying cash. What I'm saying is you can do both. It is possible to avoid conventional financing. It is possible to avoid missing out on opportunity cost by just paying cash for money and instead grow your capital via policy premiums into properly structured whole life policies with mutual companies that pay a dividend. I know that's very specific and it should be for lots of reasons all of which we can talk about. Or you can just watch, you know, and listen to more material where we've talked about that. But properly structured whole life policies with mutual companies that pay a dividend. We can pay premiums into those policies that we own and control. And we can let those premiums compound uninterrupted. But because this perfectly collateralized, self-collateralized, appreciating asset can be leveraged via policy loans. That means that our premiums can continue to grow uninterrupted, but we can leverage that policy via policy loan. So now we still maintain access to capital, contractual right. We have a contractual right to access capital in a known interest environment at will for the things that we're going to do anyway. Again, whether that's just running your household, whether that's in tandem with what you're doing for your business, investing, what have you. But that allows us to earn that economic value added, that, that cost of our capital, that compound growth continues while we're doing whatever it is we're going to do. So just by adding that one step, we can put EVA to work for us. Now, there was a reference that Nash made from Fortune Magazine, a May issue of 1995, where it said EVA works, but not if you make these common mistakes. And I'll, I would like to list those because Nash thought it worthwhile to mention. 
He said, the first mistake is that it's not made a way of life. It's not developed into a process to adopt this concept and implement this concept of EVA, giving our capital a cost. So it's not made a way of life. You know, for sure, our way of life has changed when it comes to banking. You know, seven years ago, seven plus years ago, before we knew about and had implemented becoming your own banker, you know, we had student loan debt. We had credit cards that we were using. We had a car note. We'd conventionally financed vehicle for the family. Lots of different things going on there. Just normal, average, conventional. Since then, it's a habit for us. It's a process for us that when we earn or receive cash flows, that our first order of business is to fund the system of policies that we own and control. And then from those policies, we leverage our capital to do the things that we're going to do as a household, the things that we do in our business, any investments that we want to make, etc. That's just a process that we've uh, adopted. So we're paying ourselves first, like if I use the three rules of banking, they're pay yourself first, pay yourself with interest and recapture the money. So we're paying ourselves first by paying policy premiums. Then we're doing the things that we're going to do anyway. And if we would borrow money from a conventional bank and pay them interest, why not pay interest back to ourselves? So we pay interest for the capital that we've leveraged. And then we ultimately recapture that money back into our privatized banking system. So we've adopted this as a process. I would suggest that you consider adopting infinite banking as a process in your life. It's not a it's not a product. That's what Nash would point out in his book. He would say banking is a function. Banking is a process. Banking just is. And we can adopt that process for ourselves. The second thing that this Fortune magazine article mentioned was that most managers try to implement EVA too fast. Actually, it, it, you might even have thought like I that he was going to say too slow, but it says too fast. And here are two key words that I thought of when I read this that I've picked up from Nash. Nash, when he talked about implementing the infinite banking concept, would say that ultimately he's not talking about, you know, one policy. He's talking about building a system of policies. OK, so over the course of a lifetime, implementing this idea to the extent that income ev eventually equals the amounts of premiums that we pay and that everything that we need to do, all of our need of finance is satisfied by our own privatized banking system. So. The two words that I mentioned that I've picked up from Nash are reasonable and logical. When Nash talks about infinite banking, he talks about it being an exercise in imagination, prophecy, reason, and logic. So managers should try and implement EVA. And by ma who's the manager for your personal finance? You are. You're the manager. So you're the manager. I'm the manager. We're the managers. So we shouldn't implement it too fast. Can you try and do things too fast? Yes, you can. Sometimes people actually need to be encouraged to be a bit more ambitious, have suggestions of using the imagination more. And, and Nash actually did say that imagination was the most important of those characteristics in this exercise of infinite banking. Imagination, prophecy, reason, logic. But reason and logic are, are for the folks that are maybe trying to be a little too ambitious 
and getting started. Maybe they're wanting to pay you know more premium than they should. Sometimes folks need to be dialed back in a little bit, and that's fine. Sometimes folks need to be encouraged to think bigger. So again, I don't make a practice out of telling anybody what amount of premium is appropriate for them. Now, I can learn more about someone's given situation because I don't have a cookie-cutter approach to infinite banking because we're not the same. But some po- some people need to be dialed back in. Some people need to be encouraged. It is what it is. All right, the next thing, the third thing that he mentions is that the box the boss, excuse me, lacks conviction. So again here, I think of a phrase that Nelson uses in his work and he says that well, when we know what's going on, we'll know what to do. So if there's a lack of conviction in anything, I believe that a better understanding or new perspective could improve the conviction that one feels about a given thing. See, knowing what I know about banks now, knowing what I know about properly structured whole life insurance now, what I know about mutual companies, what I know about EVA, what I know about the cost of capital, what I know about use it or lose it, I have a very strong conviction about this because it's not just theory. Again, going back to that that first point that I made, this is a process in my life now. This is what you know we've adopted, so the conviction is certainly there <laughs> because we're doing it and we're helping other people do it. The fourth, he says that managers fuss too much. Now, when I heard that one, I thought of uh, Jocko Willink. Jocko Willink has certainly often enough said that there are no bad teams, there are only bad leaders. He says, you know, everything it rises and falls on leadership. Leadership's the number one thing. Yeah, I mean, that's just what came to my mind. You know, if the managers, are, and we've probably all had some experience of, you know, some superior uh, fussing too much. I probably don't have to say much more right there. He said that's something that, you know, has to be confronted to make EVA work. And then the last given in this Fortune Magazine article was that training gets short shrift. Now, when I heard that one, I thought of my experience as a law enforcement officer. You know, what my experience led me to believe and still leads me to believe from that career, the time that I spent in that career, several years in law enforcement, is that an individual, perhaps especially in a high-risk situation or a high-stress situation will resort to their level of training. You're not going to perform above the level of training. And, of course, you could probably see this same unfolding of events in athletic sports and other scenarios, right, where if, if you've not put the time in the gym, if you've not put the time in to practice, you can't expect too much come game time. Okay, so you perform to the level of of your practice. Well, Nash would say that more's caught than taught. You know, you could watch someone ride a bicycle. And this is me talking now. You could watch someone ride a bicycle, but there's just something about getting on the bike yourself and taking off down a hill, where that experience it's it's so very different. So when he said that this Fortune magazine article was talking about training getting short shrift again i've read and reread nelson's book i would encourage you to do the same dive in on the the voluminous uh, material on this on this channel on this 
podcast to be able to learn. It's, I mean, that's what I'm doing is I'm trying to speed up everyone's learning curve as much as possible because I do believe that when you know what's going on, you'll know what to do. I do believe that your level of knowledge and training is 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 important. But ultimately, I would also say that more is caught than taught. There was something about writing a big check for what was big for us for our first policy. There was something about making that first policy loan by calling a company up ourselves and telling them how much to send, where to send it to. And then for us to use that and then to implement honest banking and just all these different things to actually do it. You know, James Nethery says it's all conversation until someone writes a check. So there are, there are five things right there where Nelson referenced that Fortune Magazine article in particularly talking about EVA, and, and I'm making a direct correlation here, okay? EVA, economic value added, that is what we're talking about or should be talking about. That's what most people just don't know about it, don't get it, aren't aware of it, aren't even aware of it, is summed up in this saying of use it or lose it. And then some folks... They want to address, like Nash would say as well, they just want to address how much they're saving or perhaps how much they're investing, you know, a percentage of their income or cash flows. And all the while overlooking the, the real crux of the issue, which is our entire cash flow goes as a deposit somewhere. Someone has the use of that. Someone gets to leverage that, etc. So again, it doesn't matter whether we're just talking about interest or whether we're talking about profits, whether we're talking about principles. See, capital has a cost. We have the cash flows that we have. You have the cash flows that you have, right? I'm not trying to talk about a portion. I'm trying to get us to evaluate our entire cash flow. Now, again, Rome wasn't built in a day. You did an elephant one bite at a time. Nash talked about us ultimately having a system of policies to become our own banker. But our thinking needs to be at the, the level of recognizing that all of our capital has a cost. All of our cash flows flow to and from somewhere and someone maintains access and earns and receives dividends, etc. from that. And I'm here to promote the idea that if you don't use it, you'll lose it but also that you can become your own banker and you can get to the point where income equals premiums. You can get to the point where your entire cash flow goes into a privatized banking system and you're the one that's in control of that. You're the one that's leveraging that. You're the one that is compounding that. You're the one that, that is maintaining access and offsetting risk and limitations. So new habits can lead to a new way of life. That's, that's my last quote from, from Nash. He said that new habits lead to a new way of life. Remember, use it or lose it. And you're the only one that can make that choice and that decision and implement a process that will maximize what you can use and how you use it. And that's exactly the way that things should be. You can become your own banker. So I hope that this conversation has been helpful. If you'd like to have a free consultation about how to implement the infinite banking concept into your household or your business or your investing, then you can reach us at 828-817-4223 or you can email durhamtalents at gmail.com. Please feel free to, to like, share, subscribe, comment, all the things, right? And I look forward to our next conversation. I hope you have a great day. Take care.
Take care. Hola y bienvenido al canal Durham Talents. En, 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 en.